0: This podcast is made possible by listeners like you. Please be sure to subscribe and share with friends and family. To help support this ministry, please visit allantempleamec.com slash donate. Thank you for listening. The scripture that was read previously came from the fourth verse in the 20th chapter in the book of Exodus. But I want to read the fourth verse through to the sixth verse in the book of Exodus, in the 20th chapter. Here's what it says. You shall not make for yourself an idol or any likeness of what is in heaven above or on the earth beneath or in the water under the earth. You shall not worship them or serve them. For I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God. Visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children, on the third and fourth generation of those who hate me. But showing loving kindness to thousands, to those who love me and keep my commandments. ABC Eyewitness News reported that on Thursday, September 14th, at about 12.30 p.m., a 71-year-old woman by the name of Enriqueta Rivera was waiting to cross the street at the corner of East 139th Street and Brook Avenue when gunfire erupted. A bullet then struck her in the back below her right shoulder, and then pierced her heart. She died at the hospital. Another bullet hit a nearby person, Albertina Reyes, 34 years old, in the left arm as she was standing with a friend. She too was taken to the same hospital and was expected to survive her injuries. The investigation revealed that two males got into a dispute and one of the males pulled out a firearm and fired multiple shots at the other. This according to Assistant Chief Benjamin Gurley of the NYPD Patrol Bureau in Bronx. He further stated that those bullets struck two innocent people standing out on the street. Every one of us here in this room and in this service understand the idea that the choices we make have consequences. And very often we tend to think that we not only understand those consequences, but also that we can control those consequences and their subtending outcomes. And because we think this way, we go ahead and make those choices anyway. But, more often than not, we cannot predict outcomes and because of our own short-sightedness, we sometimes end up with outcomes that were not only unintended but, sadly, devastating as well as in the case of Miss Enriqueta Rivera. Now while our unintended consequences may sometimes turn out to be okay, the vast majority of them do not. And people are left to deal with the consequences whether or not they even affected or changed your lives in any way. In other words, what I'm saying is sometimes the choices we make, we make them in such a way that it affects somebody in a more devastating way that it's probably even not a care we have in the world. So today I want to talk a bit about choices and their unintended consequences in a sermon that I have titled, Our Collateral Damage. Our Collateral Damage. Let us pray. Father, we've offered you our worship, and we will not be silent. We will worship you. As long as we are breathing, we will worship you. Now, Lord, receive our worship, for we now are ready to receive your word. This we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Collateral damage is a term used to describe any death, injury, or other damage that is an incidental result of some kind of activity, whatever that activity might be. The term was originally coined by the military in describing enemy combatants that were killed or injured during some kind of military operation. Are you tracking with me? Since the term referred specifically to unintended enemy combatants, it was criticized as a term that dehumanized non- combatants as a way of covering up the failure of the military to take the necessary precautions in preventing innocent casualties. And so, with precise machinery and new technology, the military has worked feverishly to try to minimize, as best as they can, innocent bystanders. But still, people are adversely affected no matter how much precaution you might take. Simply put, collateral damage, the way we're talking about it, is when some unintended person gets hurt because of something you did. Plain and simple. I'm not sitting here or standing here in judgment of anyone because the truth of the matter is, if I were to tell the truth in the pulpit, I would be remiss to tell you of my collateral damages. For every one of us here today, we have collateral damages that we may or may not be willing to stand in a pulpit and to share. So be careful before we start to look at others and their collateral damage without recognizing the ones that you too might have caused in unintended ways. So Albertina Reyes and tragically Enriquita Rivera were collateral damage unintended innocent victims harmed as a result of the careless actions taken by persons who thought they understood and could control the outcomes of their actions. Speaking it like it is. That said, let's look at the relevance of this in our text as we turn to what is commonly known as the second of the Ten Commandments found in the book of Exodus. There it reads again. You shall not make for yourself an idol or any likeness of what is in heaven above or on the earth beneath or in the water under the earth. You shall not worship them or serve them, for I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children on the third and fourth generations of those who hate me but showing steadfast loving kindness to thousands, to those who love me and keep my commandments. The point of interest to us in this text that I just read says this, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children on the third and fourth generation of those who hate me. Now. From a cursory reading of this text, we can see right away that as a result of the iniquity of the fathers, the third and fourth generation of their children became collateral damage. Mm -hmm. Mm. You see it, right? In, In other words, as a result of the fathers making idols of the likeness of things in heaven. As a result of the fathers making idols of likenesses of things on the earth. As a result of the fathers making idols of the likenesses of things in the ocean. And oh, by the way, and also worshiping and serving these idols in violation of the first commandment, which is to what? Not have any other gods before me. They now have caused their children and their children's children to become collateral damage. God was issuing a warning about the consequences to be had if fathers were to commit idolatry. This singular violation would rouse God's divine anger and his divine jealousy such that he would inflict the iniquity of the fathers upon the children all the way to the third and the fourth generation. I don't know about you, But if you knew that the choices you were making today and that the actions you were currently engaging in would not result in you paying the price, but your children's children all the way to the fourth generation from now would be the ones to pay the price, would you still make those choices today? Mm. Now the question may seem rhetorical, Since most of you in this room, dare I say, would probably say no. But I think for the most part, it doesn't even matter. What I mean is, right now, you have no idea what the actions you are currently engaging in and what you are doing today, what it is causing in terms of rousing God's jealousy and his anger today. You're doing things that you have no idea if right away, right now, God is saying, I hear you praying at the altar. I hear you worshiping me and I hear you saying that you will not be silent. I hear you saying all of those things, but the things you're doing is causing me to have a jealousy that is making me so upset that I'm about to visit your iniquity upon your children to the third and the fourth generation. I don't know about you, but something about this feels incredibly frightening to me. Incredibly frightening. Listen to what I'm telling you, church. I don't even know that what I'm about to do when I leave this sanctuary and I go home and make the choices that I make, I don't even know if by doing those things, which may feel good to me, which may feel right to me, may end up causing collateral damage. You don't even know what you don't know. But thanks be to God, we serve a God who sees, who understands. And sometimes the very thing that we want God to do for us is the very thing that God is saying, "Uh uh-uh. Because if I give you the desires of your hearts that are not aligned with my will, you're going to create some collateral damage that, oh, by the way, you're going to come back to me on your knees asking me to fix. When you had all the time in the world to make the right choice. When I told you to go right, you chose to go left. And now you're in a mess that you want me to fix. I'm just saying. I'm not talking to anybody in particular. But I'm trying to tell you that we don't understand spiritual things. And the choices that we make, we make a mess of our lives and the lives of people every single day simply because we don't understand collateral damage. Which brings me to this idea of generational curses. And I'm sure you've heard the term before. (laughs) Mm -hmm. It's about to get warm in here. (laughs) It's already warm. Generally speaking, a generational curse is believed to be a negative tendency or behavior that has been passed down from one generation to another due to some form of rebellion against God. It is the belief that if in your family line and history there is divorce, there is incest, there is poverty, there is abortion, there is witchcraft, or what may be considered any kind of ungodly act, whatever that may be, whatever is going on in your family line, then those acts form a pattern which will show up at some point in your family. And when it does, it is understood to mean that you're likely under a generational curse. Now, I'm just telling you what the definition is. The Bible in Deuteronomy, the 30th chapter and the verse 19, states that these kinds of curses are tied to choices for we can truly, truly decide through our free will either to choose life and the blessings that come with it or death and the curses that come with it. For life and death is in the power of the So 99.9% of the time, if your family is cursed, it's not necessarily because of something you might have done. It might have been something you said. The point I'm making is with my words. I had an opportunity where I completely took you out of wherever you have been. How about you're going to be a good-for-nothing like your father? How about, you're not even a man? I'm talking about real things and how words, and then when, when, when people go, oh, I didn't really mean it, I was just kidding, the damage was done. And when people erupt in anger over things that seem like it's not a big deal, we're wondering why, when all we have done was through our words, we planted seeds that we no longer bear responsibility for. We have long forgotten it, but we have created collateral damage. We've created collateral damage in our children when they're growing up and because all of a sudden you don't know what, let me tell you a quick story. Just to bring home what I'm talking about. I was talking to my daughter one day and um, for some reason I I felt the need to kind of probe her and see just where she was and and what she was feeling and she intimated to me that she was afraid of me. Afraid of me? I am the most loving father I know. I'm just saying. I said, that I know. But she told me she was afraid of me, and it broke my heart. How can my daughter that I adore tell me she's afraid of me? And I was like, where did this come from? And she was probably about, it had been about 12 or 13 at the time. I don't remember. But she told me a story. She said one day when I was at church, when we used to go to the other, another church, she might have been about four or five years old and she, we were downstairs in the fellowship hall, and um, a lot of people were down there, and everybody's interacting, and there was a little boy that did something, and I yelled at the little boy. I don't know, I don't even remember this, this story. It doesn't matter if I remember. Right. You understand what I'm saying? I responded to this young kid in a way that my daughter observed, and all of a sudden, she saw a side of me that she had never seen before in all her four years, and she kept that till she revealed it at 13. Collateral damage is bigger than you. And even when you think you're doing the right thing, because I wasn't being abusive, I probably just said, why are you doing that, put that away, or, or something of the sort. It was enough to create in that child something that she grew with, and I had to really process that. What collateral damages are you and I creating still? See, as a church, we don't talk often about real things. You go to church and, you know, I'll tell you how to, you know, you put, how you get your best life. But when a rubber meets the road and when your families feel like they are, they are, they are distant from you for choices you have made. And you're wondering what's really going on in my life. It's because you are unaware of your collateral damage. But thanks be to God that he sees beyond our faults. And he identifies the needs. Many of us want things from God, but in reality, what we need to be praying to God for, Lord, help my needs. Yes. I need you now, yes. every moment, every minute, every hour, Lord. I need you now, not another a second, not another moment, not a minute. I need you. Now, to help me minimize the collateral damage. So simply put, generational curse is a habit or behavior that has been passed from one generation to the next. So parents who believe this strive to make sure that the life they are leading will help their children live better ones, especially knowing that children practice what they see. You can say all the fancy words you want, but if I see, you, say, you know, you say to your children, you know, you need to love your neighbor as yourself till somebody cuts you off on a highway. And then you drive them down and look at them. I, I mean, I don't think anybody does that. Now, the belief in the idea of generational, my wife's looking at me. <laughs> I'm a good driver. Let's put that on the record. I'm a respectable driver and I, I'm courteous and I let people come into the lane if they deserve it. Now, now the belief in the idea of generational curses come from Exodus the thirty fourth chapter and the seventh verse. Where again we see God repeating the second commandment, but making it a bit more broad. Here's what it says: Then the Lord came down in the cloud and stood there with him and proclaimed his name, the Lord. And he passed in front of Moses, proclaiming, "The Lord, the Lord." the compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness, maintaining love to thousands, and forgiving wickedness, rebellion, and sin. Yet he does not leave the guilty unpunished. He punishes the children and their children for the sin of the parents to the third and fourth generation. So whether or not families inherit spiritual curses What we know to be true from this text is that sins are passed down through families, and everyone sins. doesn't matter how good you think you are, or how often you go to church, or how much you put in the offering plate, everybody sins. And while we may inherit traits and and, and preferences from our parents that aren't always positive, when we acquire a sinful habit or a belief that negatively affects our lives or those around us, we call it a generational curse. It is the dark side of a behavior pattern that has been passed through generations. And the obvious question then becomes for all of us watching and listening, Can this cycle of suffering be broken? At the end of the day, pastor, preacher, whatever you want to say, can this cycle be broken? Well, before I answer that question, I want to present to you a seeming contradiction in the Bible. And this will open up the sermon and then we'll go home. Look what it says in Ezekiel, the 18th chapter and the 20th verse. It says, The one who sins... Is the one who will die the child will not share the guilt of the parent nor will the parent share the guilt of the child the righteousness of the righteous will be credited to them and the wickedness of the wicked will be charged against them how does this even make sense first the Bible says that children are punished for the sins of their fathers, to the third and fourth generation. We established that. And now we see that the child will not share the guilt of the parent in Ezekiel. Which is it? Are you with me? Which is it? What's going on here, God? Well, the answer lies in what you think the texts are saying, not what they actually say. I'll prove it to you. In the text in Exodus, it is talking about Consequences, not curses, that are passed on through generations. Mm. If a child, let me give you an example. If a child has an alcoholic father, it is highly likely that the child would suffer neglect and abuse as a direct consequence of their father's behavior. But the child does not bear the guilt of what the father has done. Mm-hmm. Do you see what I'm saying? The child suffers the consequences. If you're an alcoholic father, he may be abusive. The scripture is clear that the son will not share the guilt of the father, nor will the father share the guilt of the son, but neither is exempt from the consequences of the action. That's the difference. See, you got to understand when we're dealing with consequences and when we're dealing with the act itself. Now, I went through all of that just to make sure you at least had an understanding of what is meant by consequences of sin versus guilt of sin. Two very different things that have two very different outcomes. But I want to go back now to our second commandment. You shall not make for yourself an idol or any likeness, Of what is in heaven above, or the earth beneath, or in the water under the earth. You shall not worship them nor serve them, for I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children, on the third and fourth generation of those who hate me, but showing loving kindness to thousands to those who love me and keep my commandments. Number one, there is a specific act that is anathema to God, meaning it's very bad to God, and that is making an idol. We're clear. Secondly, there is a, a specific act that roused God's jealousy, worshiping that idol. Third, there's a specific action that God takes, visiting the iniquity upon the children. And finally, number four, there is a specific time for God's jealousy to stop to the third and fourth generation. Wow. Wow. The sin in this case is idol worship, and the consequence is iniquity upon the children because God really hates idol worship. Now, the word iniquity literally means distorting what is good. So, (laughs) now it's going to get a little heavy, but then we're going to come out of it. So, for the sin of idol worship being committed by the fathers, the children will not know what good is. This explains why if a child grows up in an environment where they see their father abusing their mother, then they believe it is okay to do so, so they abuse their spouses as well. That's the iniquity. It's the children not knowing the difference between what is appropriate behavior and what is inappropriate behavior because they have the iniquity of the father upon them as a consequence. And because of this, they were the unintended victim of a parent that thought they could control outcomes but instead created a child who became collateral damage. Are you all with me? This child, this collateral damage, was not expressing a generational curse. The child was expressing generational learning. And there's a difference. Because very often we go around telling people that they're cursed. Look at what your children's doing. They curse if they did this. And, and, and you don't understand the nature of God. Because the children are doing what you have taught them and they are seeing what you have done and they think what you're doing because you're the steward that has been placed over their life as the authority, they are going to follow what you do. Mm. The iniquity was visited upon him, that child, because he had a distortion of what was good. But the best part about all of this, as we get ready to wrap up, The best part about all of this is that the iniquity stops after the fourth generation. After the fourth generation, that's a long time, God, for your jealousy to be abated. And when that happens, God shows you loving kindness because he shows it to thousands that end up finding him and loving him and leaving the idols and start to keep his commandments. That's the grace of God in that he will not stay jealous or angry forever. Now, the Bible in Romans three twenty three teaches us that through the first man, Adam, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. So Adam sinned, and guess what? All us, us is collateral damage. <laughs> because of what Adam did. Every single one of us, our collateral damage because of Adam's sin. Now, did anyone in here eat of that fruit? Of course not. But all of us had iniquity visited upon us. Because, you see, when Adam ate of the fruit, he thought he knew more than God. So he took, today, if you are honest, don't raise your hand. But if you're honest, because everybody should raise your hand, but don't raise your hand. How many of you, when you're making your decisions, believe you know more than God? You think you know better. God, I know that's not the one for me, but I love him. God, I know that she's not the one for me, but she's cute. I'm gonna go anyway. All of us are still picking of the fruit. It just looks different. We are doing what we have been taught and what we learned to do from our fathers before us and the iniquity is still upon us today well beyond the third and the fourth generation. And guess what? Here's the best part about all of this. God said I've had enough. God said, I've had enough. I'm going to keep visiting the iniquity, 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 iniquity. Generation after generation after generation. People who hate me, look at them. They keep sinning. They can't stop. They're going. They're going. And Jesus said, after 40 and two generations, I've had enough. 40 and two generations. (laughs) At the appointed time. (laughs) God sent his son. His only begotten son. 40 and two generations read the book of Matthew he comes and he he, he when he came down he, he didn't just look at the consequence of the iniquity of Adam but he also looked at the guilt of Adam's sin and once and for all he said you know what I'm gonna nail all of that to the cross I'm gonna cancel Every single generational curse, every single thing you can imagine, I'm going to shut it down right now. Thereby, I'm the one that's breaking the cycle. You see, what you got to understand is Jesus became our divine collateral damage. And, and he did what we couldn't do for ourselves. You see, Jesus knew the consequence. Jesus knew the outcome. Jesus knew the price and Jesus paid it all and all to him I owe sin had left a crimson stain but he washed it white as snow Jesus became the second Adam and 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 the apostle Paul says in Romans 5:18 I hope you're excited as I am he says therefore as through one man's offense, judgment came to all men, collateral damage, resulting in condemnation. Well, then even so, through one man, righteousness, the free gift is gonna come to all men, resulting in a justification of life. Through no act of our own, we are condemned But likewise, through no act of our own, we are saved. This is the good news. (laughs) I don't know if you get it, but Jesus says, I'm tired of all this collateral damage. I'm going to become the collateral damage myself. And I'm going to pay it once and for all. And when I do it, any one of you who feel like you're a collateral damage, all you got to do is call on my name. Just call my name. Jesus. Sometimes my best prayers aren't my best prayers. You, you think are, Lord, you have been our dwelling place, throughout Nah, 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 nah. My best prayers are, Lord, help. Yes. Jesus, where are you? Because anyone who calls upon His name, He hears, and He is faithful to pursue and to come to meet your need. You see, you see, Jesus Christ is the Anointed One. He is the burden removing yoke destroying power of God in our lives. And through his shed blood, we have forgiveness of sin and deliverance, here it is, from all, all, give me that Eve, all, 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 iniquity, all iniquity. So it doesn't matter what your father did. It doesn't matter what your mother did. It doesn't even matter what your great-grandmother, grandfather, grandparent, grandpappy, and also whosomever did. All that matters is what Jesus did. And Jesus did it once and for all. For he breaks every chain. Every chain. He breaks every yoke. He breaks every pain of depression he breaks every anger he breaks every jealousy, he breaks every curse he breaks every chain, that's what he did, so whenever you feel like you are stuck call upon his name call upon his name for he is our once and for all our collateral damage. And as the text tells us, after all of this, verse 6, but, 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 showing loving kindness to thousands, to those who love me and keep my commandments. May the Lord richly, richly bless you, my beloved.